0: You are Locked On Horn Frogs. Your daily podcast on the TCU Horn Frogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Once again, Josh Neighbors here, Locked On Big 12 podcast. Make sure you guys subscribe to not only Locked On Big 12, but Locked On TCU and Locked On Jayhawks as well. So, guys, this week at noon, uh, eastern time 11 a.m central there is a game between two big 12 teams that are both ranked into the top 20 that college game day is attending that has big 12 title implications and also red river is being played at the same time that is like a crazy statement to make tcu and kansas are the two top 20 teams not oh you not OU in texas and steven i'll go to you first like just the fact that College Game Day is going to this game in Lawrence, Kansas, and that both of these teams are involved is awesome for the league and its future. Because guess which two teams are leaving? OU and Texas. The game is on ABC. So no, it's a big deal. It's still a big deal even though both those teams have had a rocky starts. But TCU in Kansas is getting all the shot.
1: No, it's great, and it's been a really good off season for the future of the Big 12. I mean, the Pac-12 losing USC and UCLA, showing some vulnerability there, the unstableness of that conference. But, of course, the big question has been, and it's been looming over uh, the conference since those two schools decided they were going to move on to the SEC. You take these two big brands out, you know, what does that leave as far as the future of the league, the eyeballs that are going to be watching, the quality of the football teams. And you have two teams that are really upstarts. I mean, I'll, I'll defer to Derek on, KU in their season but I know um, from hearing you Josh and others around the Big 12 there was some optimism right like we were all like oh yeah that over under of I think it was like two and a half before the season for Kansas you gotta you gotta smash the over there like they're definitely gonna win three or four games didn't expect this like didn't expect them to be undefeated at this point in the year and then for TCU I mean I think it was a good first step to take care of business and non-conference play and be three and zero. and you felt good about that And on Saturday, I mean, completely unexpected, just dismantling Oklahoma and almost hanging 60 points on them. So now you have two uh, really um, good programs with a ton of energy behind them. The fans are going to be stoked. I know, you know, game day in Lawrence is going to be appointment television. Um, And then the game itself at 11 a.m., hopefully both these offenses play well like they have all year and it's an entertaining game to watch. But it's great for the the league, yeah. I mean, you really couldn't write a better script um, than two teams outside of the OU and Texas bubble thriving, and it's not even the ones you might expect, like Oklahoma State and Baylor, even though those programs are having good years as well. It's you know TCU and Kansas kind of coming out of nowhere. And I picked these teams like I forget where I picked them, but like I picked
0: them between eight and ten in the conference this year. That's mm-hmm. what these two teams were were, were for me. And, and Derek, you and I talked like I think a couple weeks ago when they were two and over three and zero. Oh. I mean, to be all the way here now, it's really funny because them actually getting to 5-0 and was not a big story in the conference this week. Like, the number – for you, I'm sure it was. But the number one story in the conference this week was was what TCU did to Oklahoma. That was number one, in my opinion, a lot of people's opinions, just because it, it exposed a lot of things. But Kansas gets the 14-11 to win <laughs> over Iowa State. You know, game day kind of writes the wrong of the Duke game because it's been a fun basketball story of them. You know, they take Tennessee and, and Florida instead, but they're going to a game on FS1 at noon while OU and Texas are playing. I mean, all of it, just all the, you know, even with like, okay, it's game day at Lawrence. It's awesome. But like the entire thing is just, it's kind of bizarro world, isn't it?
2: Oh, absolutely! I mean, we just go back. It feels like this whole thing—the uh, birth of it all—was when KU went down to Austin last year and beat Texas, because it feels like that was kind of the birth of the Lance Leipold era and kind of proof of concept there. Turning into this year, and now circle back, and now instead of being able to, you know, watch on game day, go and seeing someone eating fried butter you can come to lawrence and get some bill self mac and cheese at 23rd Street brewery or something right so um it's just a, a complete surprise at this point and it's like impossible here to try to figure out what should be the expectations anymore for ku football like uh you know as you keep winning no longer with you starting five and oh is it oh but can this team make a bowl game because if you go one and six the last seven after the way it started like, that's almost going to feel a little bit disappointing. So I kind of wonder, too, like, not just the environment and everything that's cool about this. I think whoever wins this game between TCU and Kansas, there's going to be real talk about, like, okay, Oklahoma State is, like, the team to beat right now. And that battle for number two, like, they're in it as much as anyone else in the conference.
0: Yeah, that's that's the next part of this. Like, this game is going to produce a Big 12 title challenger, right? If KU wins this, they are 3-0 and in the Big 12. They are bowl eligible. And, you know, they, it's like, and I, I, assuming they win again, you know, you, you're talking about them having one of the, one of the best two or three quarterbacks in the conference. And the other way around if TCU wins it. And I think, I think if TCU wins it, like there's a certain way they're going to win it to where Steven would like, okay, this group is seriously athletic. They are. you know, Cause mm-hmm. I think that's the one thing when you watch this offense, They've got some dudes at every single offensive position. Wide receiver, running back. We've had a lot of conversations about Max Duggan, but this is like – this is ex- – I mean, explosive plays to the max. I actually, talk, I looked it up today. They have the most plays over 30 – there's second most plays in the country over 30-plus yards, and they have played one fewer game than all the teams around them. The only team that has more is Ohio State with 21, I think TCU's at 19. I mean, this game – you know, if if Kansas wins it, it's like proof of concept, serious contender. If TC wins it, it's further proof of what they showed against OU. Like, I think one of the, whoever wins this game, Steven, has to be considered as a Big Twelve title challenger.
1: Now I'd agree with that, and it's funny. You know, before the year, I said I thought TC would go seven and five. And uh, you you guys probably don't do this, but I'll speak for myself. Sometimes you throw a prediction out there and you don't really like do a ton of like research. And then later you look back at the schedule and you're like, oh, OK, now i got to figure out where these seven wins are going to come <laughs> from. Like I just sort of abstractly said seven and five because I felt right. But you're like, oh, Oklahoma State, that's, you know, that's tough. Oh, you at home. How are you going to win that? Going to Morgantown. That seems like a tricky game. Uh, but if you win your first two conference games, stealing one from Oklahoma, and beating, you know, a, a really good upstart Kansas team, then everything looks a lot more manageable just based on, you know, how everyone else is playing. And, yeah, the offense has been incredible. You know, I've had to apologize and I have to Max Duggan. Like, the first few years of his career, he was not an accurate passer. He, he did some great things with his legs. He had a ton of intangibles. But I thought Chandler Morris was going to win this job, which, in fairness, he did and he would just keep it for, you know, the entirety of the season. But he went down in the third quarter of that Colorado game, and, and Max walked in and hasn't let the job back. So they've been able to find a way to get the ball to their playmakers. You know, i spent spend all offseason talking about Quentin Johnson being a first-round draft pick, and he's only got 200 yards receiving <laughs> on the year. But it's not because, like, he's been terrible. It's just because they have so many different guys they're spreading the ball around to. I mean, you know, Darius Davis has been fantastic. Tate Barber made some plays last week. I could go down the list. But – Um, yeah, it's, it's a fascinating game. And the one thing I'll say about TCU is it sounds strange. I still don't really know completely what this defense is because the first two games of the year, they play, you know, Colorado, God bless them. They're not going to win a football game. I don't think Um,
0: they're so bad.
1: And then Tarleton was their FCS game SMU. They they were able to force a few turnovers, but there were some explosive plays by Tanner Mordecai and that team. And then in the OU game, I mean, Dylan Gabriel was struggling, but I think if he plays, four quarters, then it it's it's just really hard to measure what was going on because once uh Bevel came in the game, they they oh you really couldn't do anything on offense. So we'll find out because Jalen Daniels is fantastic. I know Kansas does a lot of cool things uh you know schematically that makes it tough for defenses a ton of misdirection. Um so that'll be the big test in my mind this week is can this defense sort of hold up and we'll sort of get a bigger picture, a fuller picture of where they're at under first year defensive coordinator Joe Gillespie. And then Derek, over to you about like winning a sixth
0: game because after this they've got at Oklahoma, they're at Baylor, they got Oklahoma State. That's really tough, and they're at Texas Tech after that too. Um, so just getting to six, like what you know, everything else outside of that, great. What does getting to six mean for KU in the program?
2: Oh, it means so much. It's the proof both. Uh, From a just, you know, the guys who are on the team trying to get them to wins, both from, a you know, recruiting locally. Uh, That's been a big talk like over this offseason that K-State is doing so much more than KU recruiting locally. And they have been kind of recently. But if you go up to any, you know, 16, 17, 18-year-old, they've seen Kansas State be good for their entire life growing up watching football. That hasn't been the case for KU. So just from like a local recruiting perspective, it's huge as well to see them go to a bowl game. Haven't been to a bowl game, obviously, since 2008 when they played in the Insight bowl and beat Minnesota, it would be huge for this program to get to that sixth win. And like you said, it's one of those weird things because right now at five and zero, oh, you don't want to just sit there and say, Oh, our expectation is only to go in six games, but you still can't take it for granted if you do only get to six, because like you said, there's tough opponents coming up. The KU Baylor series has been really, really one-sided for Baylor with blowout scores lately. Maybe the OU game is a little bit more winnable than we think, especially last year KU almost beat Oklahoma in that game in Lawrence, but Oklahoma State looks really good. Um so there are no gimmies in the Big 12. You can't take anything for granted. If they get that sixth win, I mean it's it's going to be I don't I don't know. Fans might storm Mastery. Usually that's reserved for like Final Fours or uh something crazy winning the National Championship, but at this point, especially if it's over TCU with game day in town, wouldn't shock me.
0: Well, also they they've been underdogs in five of those six games. And I mean, let's see, Tennessee Tech, well, well, four of those six, excuse me, four of those six games. Tennessee Tech, obviously, you know, it's whatever. West Virginia, double digit underdog. Houston, they, they were around nine and a half at one point with that one. Duke, they were seven point favorite. Then Iowa State, they were dogs once again for that one. And now this week, they're, I think it's at now a seven point underdog at home. I mean, I think like, Oh, my God, storm in the streets. And I remember talking to Jesse Newell, now covers Kansas City Chiefs, him saying at five wins, they build the statue of Lance Leipold. Well, they, they build the statue range. I'll ask you guys both now, Stephen, how does TCU go about winning this football game? What is the key for them? And I specifically on defense, like what do they do? Because we talked on my on the show I work on, Sirius XM, we talked to Sonny Dykes last week, and he said – our defense is fast. I'm not sure he's all the way sold in, and they shouldn't be yet because of the year they had last year. Not sure he's 110% sold in what this defense is just yet. But what are the keys for TCU to win this game? And really on the defense, what's the key for them to slow down Jalen Daniels?
1: Yeah, I mean, defensively, they they switch schemes here, so they're running a lot of three-man fronts. And I think the big key is this is something that I haven't really had. Is, is rushing the passer, and especially with those front three guys. You know, Dominic Williams is a true freshman. He's been starting to nose tackle. He's done a really nice job. Um, it, but it's hard to get pressure from that interior spot. Dylan Horton is, is kind of their main defensive end, who they hope can, can generate some buzz off the edge. Um, so I think it starts there. You know, in the secondary, they have a lot of experience. They've been kind of inconsistent at times. But Travius Hodges Tomlinson and Josh Newton are two guys That have been asked to do a lot, and they're going to have to play well and play disciplined and make plays. Uh, You know, if they can slow down KU in their run game, um, that'll be a huge key. One guy to watch: so Marcel Brooks. um, He was a five-star recruit out of high school. He went to LSU, transferred to TCU a few years ago, and the staff hadn't. The previous staff didn't really know what to do with him. They moved him to wide receiver last year. That didn't work, and so now he's playing linebacker. He got injured during fall camp, so his first action was against Oklahoma. And he only played about 20, 22 snaps. But he was able to get some pressure off the edge, you know, coming off blitzes. And I wonder if they use him to kind of generate some of that um, pressure on Jalen Daniels that they haven't been able to get with their defensive linemen so far this year. And some turnovers would help. Offensively, I think it's just sticking with what they do, which is kind of starting with Kendra Miller and Amari Di Mercado, those uh, backs in the backfield, and then using that to get going in the pass game with all their wide receivers and Max Duggan, they're going to keep their foot on the gas pedal. I expect this to be a shootout. I think TCU is comfortable if they're in that style of game. Um, And so I I don't think they're going to want to play ball control and necessarily help their defense. I I think they're most comfortable trying to score and and letting their athletes make plays in space. And then, Derek, what do you think is – how does
0: Kansas win this football game? What's the keys for them? Well, I, I want to see, because
2: it's interesting, the offense had been so explosive and, and we hadn't seen any signs of it slowing down through the first four games. We saw it against Iowa State. Is that just something that Iowa State did schematically? Is it just Iowa State's defense is that good? I mean, we do know they have typically had a really good defense year in, year out, and it's looked to be that way so far this season. Was it just a bad game from KU? I don't know, because uh, kind of what Steven's talking about there, like, TCU is going to put up points in this game. So the offense is going to have to be able to match for KU, but then also like, what do we know about the defense? Because the defense has been showing signs of kind of turning the corner here. And maybe that's what it was against Iowa state. You hold them to 11 points. You make big play after big play. Certainly you're not going to hold TCU to that many points, but if you can hold TCU to 35 points, I think of this game, I don't think you're necessarily guaranteed a win or anything, but I think, You might take that going into the game, just knowing how explosive and how great this TCU offense has been. Number one in the country in yards per play, second in the country in yards per game, points per game. So if you said, hey, they're going to score 35, I think you probably take your chances and and hope that the offense is back to what it was and that they're able to kind of establish that running game with their spread triple option because that's part of it too. Is there a book out on KU now with what specifically they're doing with this counter triple option spread type game to where – you know, teams are starting to pick up how to defend them, or is it something where this week, even without Daniel on the injury, you still have Kai Thomas and Savion Morrison transfers from the Big Ten at uh, Nebraska and Minnesota that can come in and be talented guys along with Devin Neal. And if they can do that, then I think we should be in for a barn burner, and KU could win the game. And it's it's kind of funny because weirdly enough, like the TCU matchup has I know there's a couple in there. Like there was a game T- KU had 21 yards of offense, but this has been kind of a weirdly competitive series uh, over the last yeah. decade or so. We had the three-point game last year. We had the, the butt fumble game in Lawrence uh, where TCU lost that game on a weird play. So uh, maybe we have another good one, and, and I hope we do with game day in town this week. Steven,
0: my my question is, when is, when's a team just going to, like, rush three or four guys and drop drop eight in, like, passing situations against TCU? Because you know, I, I've been talking about this, and I'll ask you for your keys to the game, but, like, what's the strategy to beat this team? Because there were still some underneath throws last week or Max Doug was just airmailing him. That was like, is he still kind of that guy a little bit? I, I didn't know. But what do you think is the, the key is here for, for TCU to, to to get the job done? Like, what, what do they have to do well? Or I already asked that, like, what's your prediction? What, how do you think this one plays out? Do they do the things that you already talked about a
1: second ago to, to win? Uh, how do you see this one playing out? Yeah, he missed He's some throw. throws. I mean – I, I never thought I would say this. I don't really know how much you can take from last week because Oklahoma's defense was so bad. Like, I think TCU's offense yeah. is legit, but they had touchdowns. They had a 73-yard touchdown pass, a 67-yard touchdown pass. Max Duggan had a 62-yard touchdown run and, like, plays where there was nobody within five or ten yards of guys. So, I, I like, I don't know. Um, I don't really – feel like that was a great measuring stick for what they're going to see the rest of the year. I feel like teams will probably drop back and, and force Max to make some throws. You have to at some point. I, I feel like the the reason teams haven't done that is just because they haven't been able to stop the run. You know, Andre Miller and, and those guys have been getting things done running the football, and so you can't really commit to just sitting back and allowing them to sort of take the underneath routes. Um, I, I'm going to take TCU to win the ballgame. I think it's going to be close. I think it's highly contested, but I feel like they score... Um, you know, consistently and I think the defense does enough. I feel like they force a couple turnovers and they win the game. Um, I'm just I'm loving what I'm seeing from the energy of the program, the way they're approaching things. I think Sonny Dykes has his team playing loose. They're responding to his voice. Um, and so I don't I don't really see them, you know, I think Kansas could obviously win the game, but if I'm making a prediction, I'll take TCU to win. And I think they score over 40 points. I don't feel like they punk the Kansas defense, but they're effective. And the defense makes enough stops to, to win the football game. Derek, what about you?
2: Yeah, the, the key to me is something Stephen was touching on earlier. Like, how legit is the TCU defense, right? Because, like, if you look at like, for instance, ESPN's College Football Power Index, their top 25 defense, and they put up good numbers, but what you mentioned with Colorado and Tarleton State, or is putting up is SMU putting up 34 points? Like, is that indicative that you can score on this defense? Because, like I said. KU's defense has been really opportunistic and it's actually interesting. KU's defensive side of the ball has been one of the better teams in the big 12 and in the country at limiting big plays. So I do expect TCU to have to maybe grind out drives a little bit more last year. They were able to run all over KU, but the run defense has gotten a lot better, but if you can hold the TCU offense down a little bit, what can the offense score here for KU Jalen Daniels had a down game, didn't even eclipse hundred passing yards. They struggled against Iowa state. It's can you really get back to what you were doing offensively? If you can, if this is back to the offense that put up 42 in regulation, 55 for the game against West Virginia, and 48 points against a Houston defense that has one of the best pass rushes in the country, then I think KU can win this game. Uh, But otherwise, if this is starting to be kind of figured out how to defend this offense and KU can only put up 28 points, 31 points or something like that, then I think TCU can win.
1: All right, gentlemen. Appreciate your all's time, Stephen. Where can people find you and your work and all of its variety? Yes, yeah, so I'm on Twitter at got Stephen. Uh, the show Twitter handle is at Locked TCU, and then Locked On Horn Frogs. We're on YouTube. You can subscribe there, and also wherever you get your podcast. Derek, you can find me
2: at D Johnson Radio on Twitter, and it's Locked on Subscribe and uh, yeah, hit us up if you have any questions or anything you want the the pod to talk about. You guys can find me on
0: Twitter at Josh Neighbors underscore. Find the show at L O Big Twelve. Find us on wherever uh, your podcast, all that kind of places, and YouTube, gentlemen. Appreciate it. Looking forward to the biggest game in the Big Twelve this weekend. That's I appreciate y'all's right. time.